Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Hey, before we jump in, can we thank the worship team for leading us this morning? Again, it's great to be back here at the West Campus. Uh, it's just, we've been at the East Campus for several weeks. I had one weekend off in there. I had a great MLK weekend. And so it's just great to be back here out and here in Loxahatchee. I had somebody tell me today that this is downtown Loxahatchee. Thank you very much. <laughs> so it's great to be in downtown Loxahatchee again. It's great to be with everybody online at COH Online. We're glad that you've joined us here as well this morning. So, hey, if you're with us and you're on a phone or a computer, why don't you type hi in the chat? Or if you really love me, type go bucks in the chat, okay? Can you do that? That's right. I heard somebody groan about that. I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. So uh, Pastor Dale's at the East Campus today. That's where he's at. He's uh, with them. It's been a little bit since he's gotten to be with them. And so it's great to be here with all of you. So um, if you haven't already, I encourage you to go ahead and grab your COH app, open up your sermon notes on there. Maybe you're streaming this on a TV at your house or on a Roku or Apple TV, whatever. If you have your phone and if it's available, go ahead and open it up. And we're going to be looking at our sermon notes on there. And we're going to jump into our message. We are a couple weeks into a series we're calling Get Your Life Back. And where we're having an honest conversation about the condition and the development of our souls. Now, we talked about the beginning of the year in 2021 that we're not necessarily focusing as a church on uh, getting leaner, or getting fit, even though that's not a bad thing. We're not talking about sharpening your mind and getting smarter and growing and learning, even though that's a good thing too. We're here to talk specifically about how to grow your soul, how to increase the health of what's going on internally inside of you, and what Jesus offers to people to find your life again, especially after a difficult year and a difficult season we're still in. So our theme verse is in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. We're going to go ahead and put it on the screen. Let's go ahead and read this out loud together as a church. It says this here. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I feel like we could almost just stop there for the whole morning. There's so many people who have such a wrong idea and conception about God, maybe from a bad religious experience that they've had before. The God we worship here, go ahead and put it back on the screen, guys. The God we worship in this place, the Jesus that we worship in here, look at this, is gentle and humble in heart. Man, somebody say amen to that. Put amen in the chat. That's the God we worship in this place, not some mean overlord in the sky, but one who is gentle and humble in heart and wants you to help you find rest for your souls and wants to help you get your life back. I'll follow that Jesus every day and twice on Sunday. Well, I am going to be here twice on Sunday, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) I will, man, so good. So we're talking about this promise of Jesus. And we're talking about get your life back with Jesus. The saying is when you take my yoke upon you, we talked about this here. He's not talking about how you take your eggs. He's talking about his lifestyle and his teaching that he tells people to do. More than just his theology, more than just his ethics. But if we learn to live the way that Jesus lived, we're going to find rest for your soul. The deep part inside of you, the real you. 
at the depth of the core of your heart that's buried under all the stress of life and under all the years and all the experiences, good and bad, the truest version of you that's inside of you, that's the place that Jesus wants to touch with his love and his grace and his life. And he wants to give that part of you rest. And so here's what we've been talking about the past couple of weeks. We started with the first practice. We already did it today about the, we called it the one minute pause. It's a great starting place. Put a timer on your phone. Jesus, I give everything and everyone to you and go for a minute. And eventually you find that a minute's not enough. You go for a minute to two to three to maybe four or five or even more. Oh, it's soul, um, so soul refreshing to learn how to wait in silence and stillness in the presence of God. We talked about how if we learn to follow Jesus' rhythm, we'll slow down. Our rhythm of life won't be so crazy. Jesus never ran anywhere. He only walked places. He was never in a hurry. I want to learn how to not be in a hurry and how to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from my life, just like Jesus did. We talked last week. Wasn't that a great message last week that Pastor Dale preached about getting outside? It was great. We talked about how the earth is full of God's glory and the heavens declare the glory of God. And that we agree with religious people and irreligious people that there's something special and healing about getting outside. My wife and our kids, we went on um, a bike ride. First time we went on the intercoastal trail where uh, for bike rides. Don't do that with kids. <laughs> but we went and it was great. And we passed one of these huge, beautiful trees and old Palm Beach, those just massive. And one lady walked past us and said, oh, look at this. Isn't beautiful? It's so healing. And I agree with her. Now, where we might differ is I don't think it's nature that heals. I think getting in the creation of the creator is what heals because I'm reconnecting with parts of who God is. And when I look at a painting, I see the painter. And so we asked a lot of you guys to, when you leave here, Drive with your windows down and get outside and take a picture. How many of you did that with your windows down last week? Wasn't it good? All the ladies like, I messed my hair up the rest of the day. Um, but we asked you guys to send in a bunch of pictures, and so many of you did. We don't have enough time to look over all the pictures, the beautiful pictures you guys sent in. But here's some of my favorites that we, uh, we got. So here's some from this past week. Look at that. Just stunning. Beautiful sunset from a dock. Here's another one. Uh, this was taken by uh, one of our partners where a bunch of guys in one of our small groups went uh, fishing in Juno Beach together, and this is the photo they caught. Stunning. Remember the foggy morning that we had this past week? Yep. Beautiful. Here's another one. There we go. Beautiful sunrise. Just stunning. Beautiful. Oh, there's something healing because the heavens declare the glory of God. This is part of how you get your life back. When you learn to combine getting outside with a one-minute pause... You just breathe in the life of God, and he gives you rest for your soul. Here's another one. Oh, I forgot. We missed one there. That's good. So this, uh, this actually, so whoops, I forgot one. So uh, this was taken from Pastor Dale's backyard. Isn't that cool? Now, Pastor Dale's backyard, he backs up to one of the nature preserves. It's just, man, a great spot that he lucked out in many years ago. And he looked out yesterday from his backyard, and this is the Burton family, who are faithful partners of COH, and they're one of our faithful partners who are streaming online every single week. So Burton's give you a shout out. Can we all say hi, Burton's? Hi, hi Burton's. They're part of the many people who are streaming online. The vast majority of our church is online still. And so they were going for an outside hike in Dale's backyard, and they were getting outside too. Now, Dale told me he's still a little sore that they didn't offer to help him mow the yard when he was doing it. 
but that's okay nonetheless. So we all got outside, and there's something about that that's healing. We could go ahead and take that off, guys. Thanks. There's something about getting outside, about slowing down, about pausing. All these things are some of the practices that we're getting really specific on to help you get your life back. We're not just here to pontificate of Jesus gives life. Now go do life the exact same as when you walked in. We're here to tell you Jesus gives life. And here's one little cookies on the bottom shelf thing for you to try this week. And this is what we're going to do today too. We're going to talk about a unique subject today. And I'm going to give you one practice at the very end of it all to go try the rest this week that will help you get your life back a little bit more. Sound good? Great, cool. All right, so the title of today's message, we're calling it Simple Unplugging. Simple Unplugging. Now, here's the problem with simple unplugging. There's nothing simple about it. It's a little complicated. In fact, anytime you talk about the subject of technology in church, some people struggle because they don't understand how does the Bible speak to how I'm supposed to use technology? How does the Bible speak to me as a parent how I'm supposed to manage my kids' uses of screens? How It doesn't speak to that. There weren't even plugs in the Bible. There weren't even electricity in the Bible. I looked all throughout this on every single, single page this week. I did tons of research. Trust me, I read every page of the Bible this week. I'm not exaggerating. Yes, I am. Okay. And I read the only, the closest thing I could find to what the Bible says about technology was how Moses had tablets that he had stuff on them that he downloaded from a cloud. That's the closest thing. That's the closest thing. That is a really bad dad joke. Don't clap for that. Don't clap for that. Yeah, that's the closest thing. So some people, in one sense, they're like, what does the Bible have to say about that? This is an ancient book written thousands of years ago, and it doesn't apply to life anymore. So some people are like, yeah, right. It doesn't even speak to my life. So some people think it's irrelevant. And some people, in more like fundamentalist versions of Christianity, they like to paint everything modern and or fun as the devil. Okay? It's the devil, Bobby Boucher, right? <laughs> That's what a lot of people do. Those are the people who you meet. We're like, oh, you're on the internet, man. I don't do that snap face. It's the devil. The Insta chat, I don't do that. The net gram plus and the tic tacking. it's the devil. <laughs> we don't do that, right? So some people are like, it's all bad, Jesus didn't have an iPhone, so I don't either. Well, Jesus also didn't have a car and he eat a cheeseburger and watch football either, Jack. Okay? <laughs> so there's something that we need in the middle for how to apply this. The Bible's always true. The Bible's still speaking. The Bible's absolutely relevant. And not everything is the devil, Bobby Boucher. There's something in the middle. And so that's what we have to parse and figure out today, which leads us to our passage. So we are in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. So again, it's in your sermon notes on your app or open up your Bible. If you brought it, your Bible app or however you read it, we're going to have it on the screen. Hebrews chapter 12. And this is a verse that will speak some timeless truths to us that we will apply to the area of technology for today and how it's affecting our souls. So follow along with me. Hebrews 12, one, it says this here. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, 
the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For joy he did this. Jesus, you are the best. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right, or its right the hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we've already told you to speak what is true. So, Lord, I now pray an ancient prayer. Um, actually, yeah, an ancient prayer from the prophet Samuel. Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so a little bit of background about this passage. We always like to teach about what's going on in this ancient book of the Bible. The author of the book of Hebrews is actually unknown. Um, it, we, most scholars believe it was a sermon manuscript. It wasn't a letter. That's why there's no greeting or ending compared to some of the other letters in the New Testament. Um, we don't know who it is. We have some context clues. It was not one of the 12 apostles. They were a companion of Timothy's. This could have been Paul. It could have been a man named Apollos, or it could have been another leader in the early church. It could have been male or female in the early church. We just don't know. The date of the writing of this book seemed to be written prior to 70 A.D., And the purpose of this book was to encourage these early followers of Jesus to persevere and to not fall away under great pressure and persecution that the first Christians faced. Endless pressure, endless persecution, and this was to telling them to press on, to take heart, don't give up. That's the whole purpose of the Hebrews. It's this cyclical message over and over and over again. And the main metaphor of Hebrews that we read earlier in just a moment is the metaphor of running, running with perseverance, not quitting. Don't give up on running, which is really hard because I hate, hate, hate running with a capital H. Have you seen my short Scottish legs? (laughs) Don't, I don't do it. I don't do it. So, but still in this metaphor that's talking about of running as to endure and to press on and to not give up in this journey of faith, this author gives us a couple helpful clues um, that's just speaking generally about faith, about life, but I think can apply to the area of technology. So you see what I'm doing? Timeless truths and principles that will apply to this area of our life. So let's start with how we're talking about technology. By technology, I mean the internet, I mean phones, I mean devices, I mean social media, broad banner for technology. So let's start here. First, tech sometimes helps. Tech sometimes really helps. Uh, Again, we're not going to paint with a broad stroke and demonize smartphones and demonize technology. Sometimes technology is super super helpful, especially this past year especially this past year. I am grateful for my phone. I am grateful for Amazon. I am grateful for Prime. I am grateful for DoorDash, for grocery pickup. I'm grateful for FaceTime. I'm grateful for streaming stuff. When I couldn't take my kids outside to go do anything with their friends this summer, I am grateful. Aren't you glad you went through a pandemic in 2020 and not 1921, right? Now, uh, this is so helpful. Like, for instance, my daughter, Susanna, she's one and a half now, but she had her birthday in the middle of the summer. She could only have her very first birthday with her immediate family. Here's a picture of, of all of us Zooming with her grandparents and her aunties and her uncles. Look at that. Now, it's not the most exciting thing in the world. Yeah, everyone is obviously thrilled with just watching a one-year-old figure out what is cake, but she eventually did. And this is what she looked like when they're watching eventually. Look at that. 
right? So I'm grateful, super grateful for technology. My grandparents would have been floored to hear of all that we could do from the, what we carry, computing power in our pocket. What I carry in my pocket on my phone has the same technology that took Neil Armstrong to the moon in a square in my pocket and in your pocket. I'm grateful just on my home screen alone. On my home screen alone, I have my music library with 10 million songs, my stereo, all of my photo albums, my camera, my Bible, my pastoral theological library, the current book I'm reading, my coffee shop, my radio, my filing cabinet, my mailbox, my notepad, my work memos, my map, my meteorologist, my bank, my checkbook, my church bulletin, my giving envelopes, my clock, my thermostat, my calendar, my calculator, my television, my flashlight, oh, and my telephone. It sounds like we took crazy pills, right? I'm grateful for this. I'm so grateful. And technology actually really, really does help. I am not making a case for people to go Amish today. Okay? It helps. Now, but here's what this passage is teaching us. Tech also sometimes hinders. It also sometimes hinders. Look here at Hebrews 12.1. We're going to put it on the screen. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off, look at everything that hinders. This is a different category then even the, the phrase that follows it, hinders. The word here in Greek is similar meaning to wait. And so it's talking about the image of running. It's like uh, throw off everything that hinders. It's like trying to run with a weighted backpack on. And if you are crazy, you do this deliberately to train, to make it harder on you. Most normal people don't run with heavy, heavy weights on them. We don't do that. It makes running significantly more, dif- uh, more difficult. Now, what hinders isn't necessarily what's evil, but it also is not what's helpful. See what I mean? Here's how tech could sometimes also hinder us. Um, it's amazing how much time in the modern age, in a modern world that we waste on technology. The average person spends about two and a half hours on their phone over 76 sessions a day. If you're millennial, you easily double that number. One study shows that the average person touches their smartphone 2,617 times a day, and that's the average user. Heavy users are at 5,500. The average young male, before he turns 21, has spent 10,000 hours playing video games. The same amount of time experts say it could take to perfect a skill or a craft or memorize the entire New Testament. How about that? And it's not only a huge waste of time in a lot of ways, it also is increasing our distraction levels. The average smartphone user, all of you and all of you online, you're probably watching this on your phone. Again, it's helpful, but watch out. The average user gets 63 and a half notifications a day on your phone. Interruptions. Trying to get your attention, trying to get your attention, trying to get your attention. In fact, many experts say if you're born after 1995, you probably don't understand the concept of boredom anymore. 77% of young adults answered this question, yes. When I have nothing to do, I immediately reach for my phone. They don't, they literally, the concept of boredom has gone away because of something called an endless scroll. Distraction. Wasted time. Now, this is actually not good for our souls. This is bad for us. Uh, Pastor and author John Mark Comer said this, that attention is the beginning of devotion. And John Eldridge, the man who wrote the book that we're inspired by for the series, 
uh, get your life back. He wrote this down through the ages. Followers of Christ have believed that have to that to be able to give God our our attention as a regular practice was very important. I don't think we realize how much we use our technology and its assault on our attention has made this difficult to do. You can't give God your attention when your attention is constantly being targeted and taken captive and you're cooperating. Scholars are worried about the human race because our attention spans are doing this. Because of the age of swipe and like and text. So this isn't good for our souls. It's hindering us in several different ways that aren't good. Um, now, here's what we also know. That tech is helpful and hinders, but here's a real truth. Is that tech also sometimes hurts. Hurts. Now, look here. Hebrews 12.1, it says this. So therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, right, got it. Let us throw, throw off everything that hinders, right? It's not evil, but it's not helpful. But look at this next phrase. And the sin that so easily entangles. Now, if you're new to church, the concept of sin uh, basically means anything that is breaking a moral law of God. Now, more than just breaking rules, think about sin this way. Sin Ultimately, it's not about rules, it's about relationship. And sin is the things that we choose to do or the things that we choose to not do and it ends up being a sin that damages your relationship with God and hurts it. And the things that damage your relationship with other people and the things that damage your relationship with yourself, that's what sin is. And so in here, when it's talking about throw off the sin that so easily entangles, he's given us a metaphor of somebody running with a heavy-weighted backpack. Oh, man, I can't run as fast. This is slowing me down. That's what hinders. This idea of sin that he's talking about is one that where somebody, it's entangling us and wrapping around us and constricting us and tying us up and imprisoning us. So you can't run anymore. See, some technology is hindering us and some technology is hurting us us. Let me explain. Uh, how many of you have seen the documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma? Powerful. If you haven't watched it, you need to watch it, especially if you're a parent of young kids, you need to watch it. Now look at this picture here of the poster. He's being entangled by something, is he not? Fascinating. Here's some of the things I learned from watching this documentary. Um, our country has a division dilemma in it. But not just because we have a lot of different ideas. Pew Research says that we are the most divided in at least 20 years. It's mainly because of social media algorithms and echo chambers it puts us into. We've failed to learn how to listen to a different idea than what we already have. 64% of people who joined an extremist group on Facebook, regardless of what side of the spectrum, 64% of the people who joined an extremist group on Facebook did so because of the algorithms steering them there. Wow. The most scary piece of information that I learned is self-harm statistics, so suicidal and self-harm statistics for young girls. Since 2009, guys, since 2009, for girls 15 to 19 years old, self-harm is up by 62%. And for girls who are 10 to 14 years old, 10 to 14 years old, self-harm in a decade is up 189% in our country. 
Why 2009? Because in the summer of 20, 2007, the iPhone was released. And Facebook opened up its platform for anybody to have anybody with an email address can jump on. It's literally the digital age starting with social media on smartphones and look at this skyrocket. It's heartbreaking. Here's a quote from the documentary. This, this is devastating. It says this here. The only two industries that call their consumers users are illegal drugs and software. Now, this is how technology is bad for us in a therapeutic sense. But technology is also bad for us in a spiritual sense because it's not just damaging to us, which God cares about. Wholeness and holiness are two things God cares about, and they're intertwined. So it's damaging our wholeness, but it's also damaging our, our spiritual life and union with God because technology provides wide open doors for sin to happen. Now, there's a lot more socially acceptable sins that we are splattering all over the internet, like judgment, like slander, like lying. Look at me, living my life, live my best life, and it's a total lie. We have judgment, we have slander, we have hatred coveting, division. In addition to all those more socially acceptable sins in our culture, we also have the more secret sins that we try to hide and conceal because the internet also provides rampant opportunity for sexual sins to go crazy and to damage our society with lust and pornography. And can I just say real outright adultery because of social media? Now, let me just pause here. I'm not here to beat anybody with a club. I'm not. I'm not here to scold. We're here to get our lives back. Amen? Amen. Amen. So this is not a condemning word at all. We're just naming the realities here in this room. These are all things that are real and true and important that we have to navigate. Now, if I was a bad preacher, I would go, now that we've all talked about hard stuff and you've had a little bit of guilt... Now just leave and get out. But this is not what Jesus offers. Jesus offers a promise that if we're willing to follow him, we will get our what back? Life. And Jesus promises life to the full. Anybody here want life? If you want life, type in life in the chat online. We want life. And so I started to wonder about this. I started to wonder. Then if we're learning about the lifestyle of Jesus, what would he do? What would he do with this? And I started to think about it. And look here at verse 2. So we're talking about throwing off what hinders us, throwing off the sin that so easily entangles us. And then here it says in verse 2 that we need to run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The pioneer and perfecter of our faith. It made me begin to think about, okay, what would Jesus do with his eyes? See what I mean? It's not, what was Jesus' screen time? He didn't have screens, but what would Jesus do with his eyes? And he did some interesting things, and he said some interesting thing about eyes that could, that could apply to us and help us today. Like, check this out. In John 17, verse 1, just the first half of the verse, I started noticing this this past year. And it says here that after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven 
and he prayed. He would literally lift up his head and look to the heavens and look to the Father and pray. Now, trust me, I'm not saying it's now outlawed at church that you can't bow your head and pray. You only have to look up and pray. Wrong application. Wrong application. But I started to think about this. It sure is hard to lift my head and lift my eyes towards heaven if my eyes are always down here. See what I mean? So I began to think about this. So if Jesus was always lifting his eyes off of the distractions, off of the stressors, off of whatever, I think part of what first applies with this is that we first have to learn how to reduce a little bit of our use. We have to reduce. And I think this is what Jesus would do and what Jesus would teach, is to just simply reduce some of our use of our devices, of our technology, of whatever it is, of our TVs, to turn it off, to put it down, and to reduce it. What happens when we begin to put our screen down and to begin to turn the inward eyes of our heart toward God and maybe begin to practice a pause or maybe begin to go outside is that when you take your eyes off of your screen, you become present to the presence of God around you if you choose. So maybe we need to try that a little bit to just reduce. There are a lot of great tools on all of your smartphones, no matter what you have, no matter if you have an iPhone, just like Jesus would have, or if you had an Android where he would feel bad for you. Um, there are tools on all the different platforms to show you how much time you're spending on your screen. When I started reading our material and getting convicted about my screen usage, because I'm one of the big nerds at church about tech stuff, I realized I was spending four and a half hours cumulatively on my phone every day. Ouch. And so I just did a couple things, and I've cut my usage down by 30 to 40%, and my life is better for it. I'm happier. I'm looking at my wife and children for crying out loud. You know, this is a good thing. So let's just reduce. I mean, here's another thing that's helpful, I think, that Jesus would do and said about eyes in particular. Jesus then one time said this in um, Matthew 6, 22. He said, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light within you is darkness... How great is that darkness? Now, some people are like, why is Jesus talking about cataracts and glaucoma? I don't understand. He's speaking metaphorically. Now, uh, in the idiom there that he's talking about, if you look at the deeper meaning of the text, it is applying to different topic, but the surface level that he's talking about really applies to this. Because what Jesus is saying is your eyes are the gateway to your heart. Really. What you allow through your eyes goes to your mind, which then gets deposited into your heart. And so for some of us, we just might need to reduce our use. And for some of us, we might need to do what Jesus is saying is, are you letting light in or are you letting darkness in through your eyes? And so maybe it's reduced or maybe it's you need to replace what you're looking at online. It's not necessarily using it less, but just replacing it with something different. Uh, A friend of mine deleted Facebook off of her phone. Not her account. She just deleted it off of her phone, spoke wonders about it. I decided to give it a try because Jesus told me to, and I begrudgingly said yes. And um, I deleted Facebook and Twitter off of my phone, and I'm such a more positive person. Do you know how much negativity we ingest through some of that stuff? It's amazing. It's amazing. In fact, uh, just the other day, I was complaining to God. I go, God, I talk about prayer, and I love prayer, but I feel like I don't have time to pray. And I felt like he spoke right back to me, not audibly. I don't have like a red phone to heaven, but just in my heart. 
And he was like, Trev, you just watched 10 minutes on YouTube. You can spend 10 minutes a day to pray for your family and your church. So we just need to like exchange. Stop doing this, start doing something else. Million different applications, but replace. Now here's the one where we know that we know Jesus is going to get to and he speaks about eyes. So some of it's just reduce. Just do what? Do it less. Touch technology less. Replace what you're doing with some of your technology. And then finally, Jesus has this to say about eyes in Matthew chapter 5, verse 29. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Tough words. But Jesus only says tough words to the people that he loves. Amen? Amen. So what Jesus says here, he's not literally talking about gouge your eye out every time you sin with what you see. None of us would have eyes. His point is that to radically remove anything that leads you into sin, don't dabble with it, don't play with it, don't negotiate with it, remove it. Take it out back and put it down. And for some of us, that means we have to get radical with something. Like, well, but all my friends are on this social media platform. But if it's leading me into sin, it's better for me to go to heaven with less social media accounts than to go to hell with a million likes and followers. Amen? Amen. Again, this is not drop your iPhone in the trash on the way out. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if anything leads you into sin radically remove it. I remember preaching from this stage several years ago. We were talking about the idea of, of putting distance between you and sexual temptations. And I lifted up my phone in church at the last service of the day. I didn't do it in every service. I said, hey, some of you, there are contacts in your contact list that are people who are leading you and seeing you need to delete. And before I could finish that sentence, it was almost like a voice inside of me from the Holy Spirit said, Trevor, it's not a name. It's an app. And I had to stop it. There's some of you where you need to, before you leave this room or before you log off or before you do anything else from streaming online, you need to delete some apps off your phone. You need to cancel some accounts. You need to do some drastic things and get ruthless with anything that leads you into sin. We're ruthless with what leads us into sin because we're passionate about our love for Jesus Christ. Amen. To love Jesus and to follow him means I want life and joy and peace. And Lord, because I love you, I will follow you and obey you. And loving you means declaring war on anything that is often against you and taking me away from you. Some of you, out of love for Jesus and out of trying to save yourself, need to remove some things from your digital life now. Now. Not tomorrow. Not tonight. Now, for some of you, the most spiritual thing you could do, especially if you're streaming online, is to even click out of the feed and go do some of this work right now in Jesus' name. It's to radically remove what leads us into sin. Now, because there's a lot of different applications. It's reduce, replace, remove. What's one thing we can all do this week? Well, it's just this. We're encouraging you, just like last week, drive with your windows down and take a picture outside. This week, Pick a device-free zone in your home that won't have devices in it. Maybe it's your dinner table. Maybe it's the bedroom. Maybe it's, I don't, I don't know, whatever it is, 
Pick a spot in your life that'll be device-free for the next week. Tell us what you did and email us about it at info at communityofhope.church. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your teaching on what we should do with our eyes. Lord, we thank you that you're not the God who broad stroke demonizes things. And Lord, often you're the one who inspired human beings to be so creative and innovative to create this wonderful technology that is making lives better and is saving lives and improving communication. Lord, we thank you for that. But God, we pray that our own innovation wouldn't consume us. And Lord, we pray that our own social dilemma would not become a social catastrophe. God, would you give our country and our nation wisdom as to turn from foolish ways and to lift our eyes to you, we pray. We ask this in your name and everyone said, amen. Amen. Hey, so here's how we're going to start. If you're able, would you please stand? And uh, before we dismiss everybody, the best way to start is to lift our eyes from these things and lift our eyes to heaven and worship the one who we're here for today. So let's worship Jesus before we close. Go ahead, guys. Let's lift it up. Amen. Amen. Hey, so listen, if you're ready to take your next step, your spiritual journey, go ahead and text the word next to the number on the screen or just go to communityofhope.church slash next. Whatever your next step is, maybe become a follower of Jesus, maybe return to him, maybe get more involved in our church. Whatever it is, we'll help you take your next step. So would you prepare your hearts to receive our church theme verse as this benediction. Now may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Go in God's peace. We'll see you guys next weekend. Go get your life back.